It is the Rock Pop and Roll Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome to it. This week, our show is the second in our series of the great 80s albums. Last time on episode eight, we looked at the sports, listened to the sports album from Huey Lewis and the News. This episode, the great 80s albums, it's Reckless from Brian Adams. If you ask me what the greatest rock pop guitar album of the 80s is, I am inclined to say this one, Reckless from Brian Adams. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Nichols. We talk rock pop and roll, rock and roll and pop music from the playlist of the decade of the 80s directly from the heartland of America. We are in Indiana. Thanks for listening. Lyrically, Reckless from Brian Adams is mostly sophomoric. No deep thoughts on this record. I get that. I get it. But that was never, ever the strength of Brian Adams. His calling card, his reason for being on the radio, was that he made straight ahead rock and roll music. It never ventured into pop metal, although his 1991 album, Can't Stop This Thing We Started, produced by Mutt Lang, did make him sound like Def Leppard. Nope. Brian Adams was a rock radio guy for the 80s. And he made his piece de resistance with Reckless. Brian Adams was radio rock. Other than heaven, it was a guitar and drums, shouts and snarls on this record. It had stops and starts, had some rock and roll keyboard. It was nothing that made us stronger, but that sugar rush <laughs> sure did feel good when you turned it up loud, even after multiple listens, which is a feat amongst bubblegumish music. The more, uh, oh my God, likable something is when you first listen to it, the more likely I think it is to wear you out by listen number 10 or listen number 20 if you get that far with it. With Reckless, it sounded good loud. It had just enough curveballs, like a still underrated Tina Turner duet that made it last. Had some great album cuts, had great singles. And did I mention it sounded really good loud? That's worth points. Uh, in my rock and roll book, really. This is the first cut, side one. The first thing you heard from the album. was one of the six singles from that record six singles we'll tell you why that is why that is groundbreaking in just a minute the album was released in november of 1984 it was co-produced by brian adams and bob clear mountain the great bob clear mountain the greatest mixer of the 1980s for this kind of sound 
the album sold 12 million copies worldwide. It was the first Canadian album to sell more than a million copies within Canada. The album was number one in the U.S. on the Billboard album charts. So he was, he was, the backstory is with this album, Brian Adams was supporting Journey on their tour. This would have been about 83. So the Frontiers tour with Journey, uh, Brian Adams was on his Cuts Like a Knife tour as the support act. Brian Adams said he needed more songs that could connect with big audiences. So he was playing with Journey and Journey at that time was as big as Journey would get playing big uh, arenas outdoor venues, probably some stadiums. Brian Adams says, I was scrambling for live songs. He said, I was doing whatever I could to get the crowd going, but he said, I needed a bigger set list. So it was recorded in Vancouver with that in mind. He needed live songs. Brian cut most of the tracks live with his band in the studio with session drummer Mickey Curry, uh, but they didn't track it individually. It was all in, in the same room. The first single... Run to You was a track that had been written actually for Blue Oyster Cult. I didn't know that until I did the started doing the research. Blue Oyster Cult said, "Nah, now nah, we we don't need Run to You." So Brian Adams kept it. He said he said all they needed was one take to record it. They did it a few more times, but Adams says we never got it as good as the first time. It was the first single. <laughs> So it was the first single. They, they released the six different singles. Run to You went up to number six. They also released Somebody, which went to number 11. Heaven was a number one song. Summer of 69 went to number five. One Night Love Affair, which we heard earlier, went to number 13. And uh, the duet with Tina Turner, It's Only Love, was number 15. So they were all top 20 hits, all six singles. Actually, they made the top 15 on the Hot 100, which until that time had only been accomplished twice. Michael Jackson with Thriller and Bruce Springsteen and Born in the USA. Some pretty elite company for Mr. Adams. At the beginning of the recording, he and Brian was not happy with how the recording process was going. So, so they took a month off. Then they went back in the studio with Tina Turner and they recorded the track. It's only love. Keep 
Now, Tina Turner would end up being a key person in Brian Adams' career for the reason that uh, it, it broke him big outside of the U.S. and outside of Canada into Europe. She took him there on her tour, and the live version of It's Only Love, that right there that we, uh, we heard, was recorded during her HBO special concert, and uh, that live version was actually used as his MTV release. So the video was different than the single. Uh, this was the final single from the album. And he's, he's actually become huge in Europe, as big in Europe, bigger maybe than he is in the States. And in not in Canada, but he's pretty darn big in Europe and tours there uh, probably more than he does in North America. So his videos were best when they leaned on that live part of his music anyway. And I think this, uh, this cut with Tina Turner... It was used as as the actual, it was a live version of the song, helped solidify how great the band was live. He was successful because they were such a good live band. Bottom line. You're listening to Rock, Pop, and Roll, the great 80s albums, Brian Adams, Reckless. We're only getting started. Uh, the next two, not my favorite. This one was this one was a sing-along, not the best cut on the album, but it was released as the second single, had a bass solo in it. I went to number 11, Somebody. Here's that bass solo. <laughs> hey, it, it was a huge hit. It was the, the poppier side of the rock and roll, Brian Adams. But it, it had, that, had that sound, man. Had that chugging rhythms. Screaming guitars. Uh, it was... Uh, it, it was uh, it was a hit for him. Yeah, the only number one song on the album was "Heaven," the ballad, the ballad that brought the ladies to the band. The first song recorded for the album actually uh, was co-written by Adams and his longtime co-writer Jim Valance. It was in the film "A Night in Heaven." You remember that film? Me neither. Had to look it up. It wasn't a good film, <laughs> but the the song was big, uh, and it was released on the films soundtrack album it was a, initially not going to be on reckless brian's ah, but, but was included at the last minute and became became the only number one song on this huge album the ballads and they loved the ballads back in the 80s but then 
It was the summer of 69, a song that probably typifies this album. If, if, if you think of Reckless, you probably think, oh, that's the one summer of 69's on. But it wasn't, it was not out of the box huge. It received some airplay on the rock radio, the album oriented rock stations, but was mostly overshadowed with all the singles that were being released. It only managed to get to number 40 on the top rock tracks charts that was tracking what those rock stations were playing. Only went to number 40. And it's a song that's still one of the, you know, five songs that classic rock stations play. After it was released as a single, in June of 85, it did reach number five on the Hot 100. So it was a, not initially huge, but became that. Summer of 69 was originally titled, Those Were the Best Days of My Life. Brian Adams said it was inspired by Bob Seger's Night Move song. He said, it always made me mad that I didn't write it. it had cars and girls, hot summers. He said, it's a nostalgic song, that awkwardness of trying to figure out sexuality. He said, it's all there. I got my first real six-string Bought it out the five and done Played it till my fingers bled Was a summer of 69 Me and some guys from school Had a band and we tried If you ask me, what, what are my five favorite songs of all time when you hear them on the radio and you want to turn it up, that is one of them. Hey, it's, it's not Dylan's like a Rolling Stone. I, I get it, but it is a big fat slab of rock and pop and roll music. And it always sounds good when you turn it up loud. So there's the six. We've heard the six singles there that were released. And there were songs that we haven't talked about that weren't singles. They're still they can, he he still pulls the uh, pulls these out in concert, rock and pop slammers. She's only happy when she's dancing. 
Kids Wanna Rock? Just that raspy rock and roll. It's dumb. I love it, though. Kids Want to Rock. Uh, a song like Ain't Gonna Cry, uh, another rocker. It was these It was these sort of songs that twisted the record from uh, a pop music hit into, into something bigger. Something that the long hairs and the sort of metalheads could like. Circa 1985. Clear Mountain is a genius producer of radio rock and roll. His touch helped make this album be remembered as a glossy but cranked up slab of rock pop music like Long Gone. Hearing these songs reminds me of a story that that I'd like to tell about. I was going traveling to Detroit from where we lived, and it was about two hours to Detroit, and we we're going to go to see a concert. I don't know what we were going to go see, my buddy Tom Smith and I. And uh, we had put into my, I think I was driving a 1981 Brown Buick Skylark at the time, and we had <laughs> we bought it for 35 bucks off a guy. Um, uh, rectangular speakers that you set up in the back window. Uh, they were about, a, I don't know, 10 inches wide, not quite a foot wide and four or five inches high. And, uh, <laughs> and we had put in a stereo a cassette player. Uh, and, um, <laughs> we turned that thing up as loud as it would go. And I remember driving to Detroit, listening to Brian Adams and the reckless album, and we couldn't get that thing to go any louder. It's like, we needed 11 <laughs> and uh, spent spent uh, well, 45 minutes listening to that thing and probably uh, causing tinnitus I'm, sh- I'm i'm sure it did it was one of the uh, one of the pieces that caused that to happen in me many years later uh but brian adams great album that's almost the show the great 80s albums this one was reckless from brian adams we're going to end with one last fact Hang on for that. You can subscribe to Rock, Pop, and Roll on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at 80s Rock, Pop, and Roll. 80s Rock, Pop, Roll. There's no and in there. 80s Rock, Pop, Roll on Twitter. Email us, Podcast at gmail.com and you can leave a review wherever you listen 
I'd appreciate it. Helps us know what you like about the show. And if you do like the show, share it with someone. Share it with a fan of 80s pop and rock and roll. It's Rock, Pop, and Roll, the podcast. We end with one last fact, as we do every show. In 2014, Brian Adams planned on remastering the Reckless album for a box set. So he contacted Universal Music Group. That's the they, they had all the masters. It's a big conglomerate. They sucked up a bunch of different labels, and it was all under this umbrella. And they told him at Universal that they had lost all the artwork and the master tapes. This was 2014. Come to find out, in June 2008, six years earlier, the master tape, the original for Reckless, was destroyed in a fire at Universal Studios. That that in itself is worth reading about. Check it out on the New York Times. Uh, do a little Google search for uh, Universal Fire and uh, read about what happened. Because 100,000 masters were destroyed in the fire. Outtakes, original versions, alternate versions, works in progress, all of it gone. The master tapes, what they actually recorded in the studio. Maybe they had the 10 songs. Maybe an artist would record 40 songs, 30 songs, 15, whatever they were. All the outtakes, all the alternate versions are on these master tapes. and They're all gone. The Times printed a list of 829 artists representing virtually every genre of music and non-music stuff, too. It was all lost. Everyone from Bob Hope, Martin Luther King Jr. had recordings that were lost, Tom Petty, Sheryl Crow, Soundgarden, Nirvana, thousands and thousands of more. So do some reading. It's a sad story. But many point to Brian Adams' search for his original master to being the first step to uncovering the cover-up of the fire. And Brian Adams managed to find a backup copy of Reckless at his home, a backup master copy, which he used, remastered it, put out a 30th anniversary edition of it on it. One of the songs, ironically, that did not make the record, he gave to somebody else to record. But he had a version of it. It was a song. It was the title track, actually. Reckless was the name of the song. The song Reckless didn't make it onto the album Reckless. Because by the time he wrote the song, they already had enough songs for the album. Adam said there was pressure to finish the album. So they had 10 songs recorded, and those were the ones that ended up on the record. And Reckless Reckless eventually went to Loverboy, who recorded it as the song Dangerous. Same song, different title for their album, Loving Every Minute of It. But we have for you the original Brian Adams version of Reckless to take us out. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm Rob. Be good to each other.
rock, pop, and roll.